You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. My name is Joaquina Calucango, and you are listening to And the Award Goes To. It's a look back at Broadway's most magical night And all of the winners reminisce with delight With their talent and brilliance, they always impress And the Tony goes to my special guest Have you ever dreamed of winning a Tony Award? Did you ever practice your Tony acceptance speech in the bathroom mirror? Did you grow up watching the Tony Awards every year? Do you have a collection of Tony Award shows on VHS tape that you refuse to throw out? Well, then this is the podcast for you. Every week, I interview your favorite Tony Award winners, and together we go down memory lane as my guests share intimate and never-before-shared details about their Tony experience. By the end of every episode, you're going to feel like you just won a Tony. Welcome to And the Tony Goes To. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. Welcome today's Tony winner, Jakina Calacango. In my life, thank you to Garth Drabinsky, our producers, Moises for leading with love. Thank you to Jason Howland. It is the privilege and honor to sing your music every night and more so than honor to call you friend. Thank you to my incredible company. This is ours. Look at what we have created. We gave ourselves a voice. Those are the lyrics that Mossy and Nathan gave us. Thank you, Christina Anderson, for centering Nellie's voice in this story. I give thanks to all of the nameless ancestors who have suffered. This song, this show gives power to that. I honor them every day, and thank you to my son. You are the biggest blessing in the world. I love you, Pharaoh, with every fiber of my being. Mommy loves you. Thank you, the Tonys. Thank you, American Oh, gosh. <laughs> Welcome, friend. Before we started recording, you said you had, in a way, purposely avoided watching it again. Um... What was it like watching that acceptance speech now with a little distance from the experience? I still feel like I have anxiety watching it. <laughs> Why? Mean, it was, Why? I don't know. It, it, honestly, it was such a a whirlwind. I, 
the speech, I, I never wrote a speech. And my sister kept hounding me for weeks, like, you don't want to be up there without anything to say. And I was like, I'm not going to write a speech because last time I wrote a speech and it didn't matter. So I'm just going like, to forget about it, right? And I don't know what happened in that moment, but I guess the words just came. Um, and I, I don't know that, that, that day, that specific moment of being there surrounded by my sisters, my best friend, my family, it was so much love. It, it just felt like everything kind of hit and rushed me at once. And it, it was a bit overwhelming, but of course, so exciting. And I literally was like, what is, I don't even think I registered what was happening at the moment. It was just like, vomit out some words, <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, I mean, I, you know, because you had been nominated for Slave Play, because you had gone through the experience of being nominated and then your name not being called, were you protecting yourself in case that happened again? Is that why you think you didn't write a speech? Oh, absolutely. I was like, yeah. I'm not doing that. <laughs> and and honestly, I think I just wanted to be like, I just want to enjoy it. I think by that time, I, with everything that was happening, this was like a once in a lifetime chance for me. It was my first time like leading a, a musical. And so I knew it was special. So no matter what, the fact that even the first Tonys, it wasn't at Radio City Music Hall. So this was like my first time really going through um, the Tony experience, the full experience of it. And so I really just wanted to enjoy every moment. And somehow I think writing things down on paper probably would, would make me would take away from that. And so I just wanted to be present. I think, more so than anything. Can we talk about also what was so epic and iconic that night and is probably one of the most viewed YouTube clips in history is uh, your song, Let It Burn, that you sang during the Tony Awards uh, ceremony. And obviously, in retrospect, you, you have to have some understanding of what that song meant to people, uh, why the reaction was so incredible was A, your performance, B, it's an incredible song, and C, the moment when something artistic meets a moment in our culture in the way that that song does, um, everyone feels changed by it. And I, you know, I found through my television screen, the power of that song came through just as much as it did in, as when I got to see the show on Broadway. So, can you talk about what it meant to you, what what went through your body and spirit singing that song on the night? Oh, um, I think there were so many things at play um, by the time we got to perform. Because we knew as a cast, we never... Um, we never got any type of promotion for our show. So we, we had no performances where people could see us. There was no album out, of course. So we this literally was our only moment to kind of showcase our show in a national way. Um, so that was very heavy, I think, on a lot of us. But more so than anything, we felt like the underdogs through, I think, a lot of the season. Um, and and so in that moment, I remember just being with my cast members backstage and us praying and us covering our steps. And we said, at the end of the day, all we want to do is just give them 
the five points in all its rawness. Let's make this the most truthful moment that we possibly can in the stage, which of course, you know, is hard to do when you're not doing a two hour show to prepare you for this moment. You're taking a snippet out. Right. But my cast, literally, they busted out as soon as the curtains opened, full on dancing and singing. I was like, okay, let's go. Let's meet this moment. And to perform in that space, it, the magnitude, it was also my first time seeing people as I sang that song, because usually the, the, you know, the lights block out the audience so you can really kind of zone out. But this time it was like, no, these are people. And we look at them. And I don't think I could, I, I, I don't actually remember anything about how I was feeling, to be quite honest, in that moment, other than I prayed before I went out. And I said, I'm just going to be as honest and as truthful as I can in this moment. And there were lots of things that pissed me off, to be honest, <laughs> before that performance. So I used it. <laughs> and um, and I think I think this like you said, this song, it it's such a glorious song um, as a black woman. Um, with my history as an African woman, with my history and my family's history, these words ring true um, to, to so many people. Um, and, and to sing that, I think, on the national stage was is a moment I don't think I've, I've fully grasped, to be honest. Yeah. I, I think I'm still kind of in shock about, about it all, but it, it was a beautiful moment, and I'm so happy it resonated with so many people because it, mm-hmm. it, it, when we performed it, you know, at, at the theater, it, it was always such a, a, a spiritual grounding moment in the theater and you could feel the energy. Uh, and so to know that it, it resonated with people on a TV screen in the same way is, is I think really moving and a testament to Jason Howland and, and Christina Anderson and everything that they put in creating this piece and our cast, everybody. Yeah. Well, it really felt like one of those, you know, when a dress fits just in a, it's like couture. I felt like this song was made for your, your instrument. Like there was something about the relationship between artist and, and, and song that Mm. was just really thrilling to be in the presence of, you know, we've, we've been blessed to hear you talk so much about the history of this show, um, you know, for for the few people who don't know, it really is about this moment in American history. There were these, it, it's called the draft riots of the 1860s. And, and it was a part of American history that not enough people knew about. And, and the show Paradise Square really um, got to tell the story and, and teach us about a very ugly moment in history that that brought a lot of heroes right? Uh, unlikely heroes to, to the forefront. But when you just mentioned your own family's history, I feel like that's not something people have been able to hear a lot about. And I wonder if you could share when you talk about what it meant to you specifically as a human being who has a certain lived experience and a, and a, and a familial ancestry, can you just talk a little bit about your own family's history Sure. Um, my family, my family, um, my parents are political refugees from Angola. So um, they came here in in the 80s. And Angola, as maybe people don't know it, they had a, like a 27 year civil war. Um, and it's rife. Angola is rife with colonialism and all of the traumas that come from that. And and so in thinking about about freedoms being taken away. Um, about communities being ripped apart, um, um, 
all of that, I think, rang so true for me as a, as an artist because it's just DNA. It's in the blood. Um, and it was so important to tell the story. The fact that it was a New York story, you know, what I mean, we, we weren't far from where it happened. And and so to to be able to, to tell this piece of history, I think, is, is so important moving forward because it showed what happened when communities kind of get together and you don't have to be um community can look like anything, right? And can be made up of so many different people. And I think that's so important to remember. And there are so many things that try to divide us every day. But when we look back at our history and remember those moments where those divisions only brought a united people instead of separated them, I think is an important reminder as we move forward um, uh, throughout our years, you know, because it keeps, honestly, history just keeps repeating itself in different cycles. And it's, it can be frustrating, but I think the moments that we can we can learn from, glean from, and move forward and continue to push the button, I think is, is always going to help us. Um, tell me about your journey with Paradise Square. How did this play come to you? Um, there was a lot of news around your show in terms of producer, drama. Um, so you guys were dealing with a lot of publicity that wasn't about the show itself and the work mm-hmm. itself. Um, a lot of noise, right, that that may have confused people. So if you can share a little bit about the the art, the work, doing the play, creating this musical from the perspective of making the art as a as you and your cast move through it, um, how did Paradise Square come to you as as a play in your life? Um, so Moises reached out to me and um, my agents uh, with an offer to to do this musical. They knew that they were going to have an out-of-town tryout in Chicago and then uh, with the hopes that it would go to Broadway. Um, and so in the file, he sent me the script, a couple of the songs that they had at that time, and I believe a CBS uh, YouTube link of like the cast performing and talking about this piece. And I was so moved. I thought, oh, one, this is a period piece. So I'm like a historical junkie. I love anything. Awesome. Yeah. So I was like, I'm hooked. Let's go. Um, And the music was exciting. And I felt it just felt epic and lush and a big cast. And and something about these these worlds excited me. Um, The fact that this woman... Uh, she was a, a, a bar owner and a free black woman at that time, at a time when most of the people that looked like her were enslaved. And so just that uh, playing with those circumstances and also living in this community that's ridden with uh, a disease and poverty, but also full of so much hope and creativity and life uh, felt exciting uh, as an artist to play with. So I was coming out of, we were all coming out of, you know, of, of the COVID lockdowns. And I was like, I am so out of shape. I haven't sang anything since, I don't know, the color purple, like a long, long time ago before I had a child. (laughs) So for me, I was like, I don't even know if I can breathe. Like literally I've been, I was holding my breath for two years, you know? And so for me, I immediately was like, okay, I need to work with a vocal coach. Let's figure this out. Um, because this was uncharted territory for me. Um, so I, I got in contact with Joan later and she, we just started going through music and just like drilling my body, had to try to, try to get in shape. I read 
15 books about the history of New York in 1863 and specifically African-Americans during that time and community. And then we started rehearsals um, in Chicago and uh, Chicago is such a beautiful, beautiful city full of creativity and art. So it was nice to be away um, and to have that moment to work on it. But it was it was the process of creating a new musical is, is, you know, hard. You get new songs sometimes you say or new scenes right before <laughs> you have to preview them at night, which is, you know, exciting and crazy. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Um, but it was specifically, it was, it was challenging, I think. We, we, we had great, uh, many great discussions in our cast um, about how to make sure that uh, the Irish and the African-Americans at that time were represented properly and what ways we, we uh, saw fit to make sure that certain moments were seen. And um, I have never been around like such passionate people every day truly was a joy. People were putting their hearts out on that stage. I mean, just like the physicalities of of our dancers and what they were doing every night uh, with the Irish step dance and the juba was just, it was like watching athletes. You know what I mean? And mind you, I'm just like singing in a corset, so it's okay. (laughs) It was all right for me, but, but like they are truly like masterful athletes. And, um, there was a, a lot of love in creating this piece. And and then you run into running out of time, right? So we had only so much amount of time to work in Chicago. And then uh, to try to bring it to Broadway had its own feet. And that was specifically challenging um, because we only were given like two weeks to implement like a whole new act two with new songs. And so... It, having that kind of crunch time to figure out, okay, this is a completely different show. How then do we create this process now to, to try to implement this um, in the middle of, of a time where everybody's also catching COVID and shows are shutting down. I mean, there was, this was definitely one of the hardest and most chaotic processes um, I've, I've been a part of for all of those reasons, but also the most fulfilling. I feel like, um, there's something really beautiful about being in the midst of chaos and you having to figure out how to stand firm within that, how to not get uh, swept up in the tornado. And that was a, a really, um, I'm, I'm grateful for that lesson moving forward and knowing that 
I can survive anything. I don't, there's, there's beauty on the other side of it. And of course there are moments where I wanted to quit or, you know what I mean? I wanted to leave. And had I, things would have not played out. So I think it was a testament to, to, to staying and to staying and growing and not just staying for staying sake, but staying and growing within that process. You know, Moises Kaufman is known uh, for projects like the Laramie Project and and these very, um, you know, he goes into communities and, and creates plays from the stories of, of often tragic stories that happen and sort of build the pieces around, you know, the real life people and, and then sort of transcribing and creating theater pieces. This is this was a very different kind of experience where he's working on an established piece of writing that's not born out of interviews, but but out of the mind of the playwrights and the and the the book writers and the lyricists. What what was it like? What is his way of of leading a rehearsal room for something like this? Um <laughs> I, I I joined in um, there. A lot of the cast members um, had been working on this project for years. So I was relatively uh-huh. new. Um, yeah. So essentially I was joining something that was already pretty much established. Um, and at least for his process, um, for me, of course, you know, we read the script, we discuss things, we talk about dialects, we talk about the world. Um, but I also think like th- this was a, a, a new and fun challenge for him. It was his first time, you know, directing a musical and it's an epic one. It's a it's a huge one. So there was just a lot of time given to choreography and and music. And I feel like where where he really stepped in beautifully, I think, was in tech, as most, you know, directors are there. They, they start putting together their vision and seeing how things work. Um, but he, he, what I said in the speech was very true. He always led with love. So if anybody felt um, upset or disturbed or wanted to discuss something, he always gave the grace and the time to have those discussions, um, to have hard conversations and to hear that and be present um, um, and to be accountable for what was happening in the room, I think uh, is a huge testament to his spirit. Um, yeah, it was, it was, he's such a lovely person and lovely human being. So yeah, we really had a great time. You talked about how you sort of dug in to research this period of time. If, if there were a real saloon called um, Paradise Square, which was the name of the bar in, in where, where the, the, bulk of this story takes place, where in New York City would that be? If we went on a field trip now to find, you know, five points in this area of New York, where was it in the, in the Canal 1800s? Street. It would be around those areas in Canal. Uh, I think it's a, it's a, it's like a memorial park now, like a little side. I forgot the exact street, but it's over there in Canal and it's only this little area and it's just the crossways of, and, and, I just think about how much, you know, it's all been gentrified at this point. So there's nothing to really um, remind you of that moment, except like this little memorial plaque um, in in like this little section of a park, which is really mind blowing to just know that that this history and these people live there and what it's become now. It's crazy. 
So was this song Let It Burn in the show when you met this show? It was. That became, I mean, people really loved the show. I, you know, when I saw it, when it was done, we all had to kind of just sit in our seats for a while. It was a, you know, the ushers had to kind of tell people it's time to go because there was so much to hold, right? Like it was so, mm. there was something about it where, you know, in musicals sometimes there's um there's a way in which characters are kind of ideas of people, you know, sort of prototypes rather than real human beings that we we know and relate to. And I thought remarkably in this, in the play of this musical, we really fell in love with these couples. We really fell in love with these families and we really... Uh, we really felt like we lost friends when 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 we lost characters in this show mm. and and you know our heart broke because we're watching this couple create a really safe haven for so many people to come and and it, and and Paradise Square was a home away from home for all of the characters in this play. It's like the Iceman Cometh, right? These plays in which the centerpiece <laughs> is a bar, but it's the stories of all these people who inhabit it. And it was such um, a devastating thing to see all of these people living in, in harmony and not to pretend that even in that time before the draft riots, things were perfect. Obviously, they were not. But in Paradise Square, there was a haven where really Irish people and 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 Black people and and whoever wandered in uh, were welcome. Mm -hmm. And so when there's this moment, I mean, for the few people who don't know, basically there's this moment where when the draft happens, Black people are not allowed to join the draft. And then the Irish people had to go enlist. And they were furious that there was this group of people who didn't have to go. And so they turned on that group of people. So Let It Burn becomes the song that speaks to all of that, right? Like the loss and the anger and the fury. And it became a song that people came to expect. And word on the street was like, in the middle of the show, there's a standing ovation for this song. And 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 that's a kind of rare thing. What kind of pressure did you feel knowing that most nights there was a standing ovation for this song? And it was not the end of the of the show, um, how did you handle that? Did you feel pressure to deliver it and and deliver what the audience was expecting, or were you able to just do the work and tell the story? I think there were two moments that I specifically remember um, having anxiety, and one uh, I think. It was the the week. Um, it was maybe like a Friday or Saturday before the Tonys was one, and uh, the first day back after the Tonys on that Tuesday was where I felt like there's a there's an expectation, and I think that Saturday I I literally remember performing "Let It Burn" through a panic attack. It was like the longest panic attack I had. It lasted all the way throughout the show to the end of the show. <laughs> I just had to like release myself from the corset. Um, but the, I, I think the beauty in it, I totally had to let that go. And once I was able to recognize what that fear was, 
I, I was able to, to let it go because at the end of the day, it's for me, it's always been about the story. And so the minute that um, it, it started to become about other things or people would say things, I literally had to like close myself off from that energy and just be present. And so uh, I think that's what helped more so of just being present in this moment, using everything up in that story until then. And it was this beautiful, it's, it's, it's always been this beautiful shared energy between us as a cast on that stage and the audience. And it's everybody living in this moment. And I remember my castmates, because I couldn't see what was happening, but they could of where they were positioned. And so sometimes they would tell me stories of just like the waves of emotions that would hit people at different time and what it would do. And I'm, I'm just like, that's the power of, of, of theater, of experiencing something at the same time. And um, I think the minute we get in our heads or people try to get in our heads about things, it's like the, the best thing to do is try to shut it off. Because at the end of the day, I was like, I'm human. So if people don't stand this next time, it's okay. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's not the end of the world. I've had moments to where like I full on like hacked up mucus in the middle of Let It Burn, spit it on the stage because I was suffering from a sinus infection and kept singing and they were right there with me. It was like one of yeah. the most amazing things in my life. And I remember being like, that's the true rawness of, of theater and art. You can be as present as that. So something that you think is an error of mucus getting caught in your throat and you not being able to sing. Take it out, use it, and keep it going. And it's yeah. it, it's it's beautiful. So yeah, those things I, I always remember more so than <laughs> the pressure. The pressure. And what did it feel like to record the original Broadway cast album for Paradise Square? And to have that. Oh. Oh, we have so many emotions around that. <laughs> Because we honestly don't know if it's ever going to come out, but it's really the most beautiful uh, soundtrack I've ever heard. And I'm not being biased. Um, I swear the music is glorious and epic and beautiful. And even Jason's way of allowing um, certain movements and tap dances and hand claps to also be incorporated in the music is genius. It, it brings that energy of what we were doing on stage. It's beautiful. Um it's devastating. I want everybody to hear it. Um, and, and we honestly don't know uh, what's happening with that, if that's ever happened, but it has been recorded. Everyone, um, I've only been able to hear like clips of certain things. So I, I haven't heard the, the whole soundtrack, but I just remember the energy of all of us. There were a lot of um, first time Broadway people in our show. And so the first time in the studio recording and what that meant, um, just being all together. It was so exciting and beautiful. So I hope people get to hear it. I hope it comes out. <laughs> oh, so it has to. Glorious. It has to. I will start a Kickstarter yeah. myself if, Listen, uh, if, if that's necessary. Because I don't know. <laughs> I know. That's crazy. Well, this, this podcast is going to live forever as long as as long as there's internet um and so i know there's going to be a time where someone listens to this and goes wait there was there was a time where the cast recording might not have been out what so mm -hmm. that's good to know in the um in the evergreenness of this conversation that there's going to be a time where this is no longer relevant to the conversation because it will be out there
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I just want to go back quickly before I before I have to say goodbye to you. Um, when your name was called, who was with you in the theater that night? Who was sitting next to you uh, on Tony night? Who who was there? My on your on your ticket list. Oh, on my ticket list, my sister, my mom, my manager, um, and my agents. They were all there. And your dress, which you which you spoke about in your speech, uh, and your beautiful hair. Can you talk a little bit about how you decided what you wanted to present that night physically? Yes. Um, well, my sister, uh, Rachel, she designed uh, my dress. And we talked about it. I've, I've always trusted her. Her, I think her eye is impeccable. And um, I told her, I'm one of those people that like, I'm not a safe person. I don't really like to be simple. So I was like, if we're going to go all out and this is, the, this is like my first real Tony experience. I said, but dazzle me. Let's, let's give it to him. Just all of the epic African royalty realness we can get. And so my sister was like, okay, let's get you some diamonds. Let's do some gold. Let's get it out here and see what we can do. And she blew my mind. I mean, she, I, I told her she wouldn't let me see it beforehand. And mind you, I couldn't use the bathroom the entire time. because <laughs> She was like, you're going to have to suffer, okay, for this look. You just got to suffer through it. Um, and uh, Tish, who's been um, my hairstylist for a couple of years, I, I like people. I just like artists. And so I feel like with my sister, she's an artist and she's so creative with her designs. And Tish is the same way with hair. Um, she designed my hair for, um, the slave play opening, which was like this huge ginormous crowd. And I'm always like, well, how can we push the envelope, um, with styles that reflect who I am as an African? Can we, can we see some versatility in that? And she was like, Ooh, so she gave me a couple of, um, images of things. She was like, maybe, what do you think about this? And I was like, Oh, that's kind of cute. And then she came in the next day literally glued, sewn, woven together, everything you could think of, these crazy pieces, braided my hair beforehand. And I don't think people understand like the the amount of time you have to get undressed and perform and then get back dressed. It, my hair before and my body before, it's <laughs> completely different. And the time you're giving back is like five minutes, you know what I mean, to get back into your seat. So we were on crunch time. So big ups to them. Um, but I, I just like pushing the envelope. I like, I like people who are free and, and like to 
explore and experiment and not be afraid of what it looks like, but to have like bold, beautiful, fun, festive visions. And, and that's kind of what I wanted to do. I like my hair big <laughs> and I like my clothes bright. <laughs> so that's, I think, what happened. Uh, you you were a <laughs> goddess. I mean, just an absolute goddess. So beautiful. When they did call your name, you you said earlier it was kind of it sounded like you were describing an out of body experience as you as you walked up to the stage. Do you have any memory of locking eyes with anyone on your way up or any thoughts that you did have as you as you went down the aisle and and onto the stage? Oh goodness. I I remember my sister pushing my back and telling me go. <laughs> It's like, go, go. And then when I got on stage, I saw Cynthia. And I mean, like, saw her. And I saw Danielle. Arrivo. And we, yes, Cynthia Revo. And then I saw Danielle Brooks and I lost it. These are, you know, um, Danielle is my best friend. Uh, we went to Juilliard together. We've been friends since we were 17. And so to have this moment um, with her was, I don't think, we like we were full on all in tears and Cynthia I have to say this um we were we became sisters from the color purple and I reached out to her during this time in the middle of um Tony campaign time I was just like I can you give me any tips to help me deal uh um with leading a show like and and doing all of this publicity and everything can you just help me and she gave me so many notes and tips and was so kind every day checked on me. Um, and I'm just like, I, I literally was like, I need to send a letter to the people at Tony's. Cause I was like, how dare you do that to my heart? I probably would have had a heart attack on stage. Like to have those women, um, um, just be there in that moment and share that love with me is just, uh, I don't know. I feel like I'm going to cry again. Yeah. It's, it's a once in a lifetime experience. I don't think it could have went any, better than that like how does it get better than that you know before I let you go if you could just answer this question or fill in the blank to me paradise square is real thank you for being on and the award goes to I'm so happy we had this time today you're such a joy oh thank you for having me And The Tony Goes To is produced by Alan Seals for the Broadway Podcast Network. The music and lyrics for the theme song were written by Georgia Famusa. Theme song orchestration by Alexander Sage Oyen. Episodes are edited by Derek Gunther. Thank you to Parody Bill for the graphics. And please don't forget to go to the iTunes show page and rate and review the show. Thanks for listening. Excerpt from the Tony Awards used with permission of Tony Awards Productions. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now 
and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.